In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 61. Andrew and Jerry say it stinks less. (laughs) I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. You say 61, and I think of the uh, Eminem boys, uh, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. 61 home runs in 1961. Yeah. Here we go. This is is our big year, right? This is our big show right here. It's a milestone show, and and as we hit our milestone in terms of downloads, uh, uh, by the way, you may, Jerry and I haven't had a conversation about this, you may wind up starting to hear some ads on Andrew and Jerry Save the World. I'm working working on that right now. But, of course, by, by talking about what stinks less, uh, we're referring to the uh, the debt ceiling compromise uh, that has apparently been reached between the White House and Republicans uh, in, in the House, led by Kevin McCarthy, uh, now wending its way through the House. And Jerry and I both are, are of the, the same opinion that if everybody dislikes it, then, then maybe there's something to be to be said here. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on this, Jerry. Well, it's interesting, right? I mean, if you if you look at the uh, the coverage and. And I have because, you know, we're we're linking and writing about it over right. at Real Clear Politics. You know, the uh, the the American prospect left of center journal uh, doesn't like it. Uh, Vox left of right. center doesn't like it. The nation doesn't like it. Um, uh, the uh, the American prospect, a little more realistic. Uh, they had a piece today that said you go to war with the president that you have. In other words, right. This is it. This is what we got. Right. Now, on the right, uh, the same thing. You have uh, reason uh, doesn't like it. You have Jim Bovard, who's a really good writer, thinker, uh, writing in The New York Post, saying that someone please send in the rewrite. Uh, But then then you have Steve Moore. And we like Steve Moore. And Steve Moore says, look, uh, this is this is more good than not. Right. Uh, And then you have some on the left who say, look. Uh, uh, on the work requirements, on some of these welfare programs, on uh, on protecting uh, against going back to uh, baseline uh, budgeting, uh, the left won. So your point is 100% correct. If everyone hates it, if everyone dislikes it, then it's probably okay until we hit the real uh, right. season for uh, for debate and compromise, which is of course September, and that's the budget process, right? And and I'll, and I'll and I'll say this much uh, about this: the reality is, from a pol- from a purely political perspective, uh, the fact that we got the president to the table and to compromise things, and we're not raising taxes. I uh, listen; these are small victories to be had, but these Ke- are this- Kevin McCarthy yes. won. We are Kevin exactly. ultimately Kevin McCarthy because every single day, and again to to his credit, but also yeah. something you and I ha, have uh, advised: uh, get to the cameras, get to the media every single day. Right. Do you know that over the last, um, I want to say three weeks, maybe longer, he's had uh, he's had the uh, the press right. conference every day, right. and where was 
Joe Biden. He was in Delaware. He was at Camp David. He was overseas. He was in Japan. Uh, he and, and again, the Democrats were upset with the president because he lost the narrative. And and keeping in mind that there was at least the framework of, of an agreement before the House passed their bill, the president yeah. turned around and tried to renege on this. What the Democrats wanted to do was they wanted to throw Republicans off their game and either to get the government to shut down or to agree to a tax increase. And and somebody, I think, finally took a look at what folks were saying in the opinion polls and realized, you know something? We may have actually, we, the Democrats, may right. have actually lost the narrative on this. They did. And they so lost we, the narrative, and, and the polling and we, showed that. Yeah, and and, and, to, and again, that, that, that for someone like me, who's usually a curmudgeon when it comes to politics and policy, the fact that you could have the entire media establishment, except for right of center, you know, uh, conservative media, uh, really just going to combat against the Republicans, the GOP, uh, and Kevin McCarthy. And even still, uh, the public opinion was like 60% of those who were paying attention believe there had to be some spending cuts in the debt ceiling compromise. Right. Here's, here's the bottom line for me. And this is my problem with the Freedom Caucus. And I support the Freedom Caucus. I like Chip Roy, Congressman Roy. I like these uh, these libertarian-leaning conservatives. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, it is dishonest to believe that the debt ceiling compromise or deal was going to fix Washington, D.C. Right. Right. It never was going to fix D.C. This is a, again, kick the can band-aid, but it's a kick the can band-aid that is less, to use your word, Less stinky. Less stinky. Jerry doesn't yes. like the word stinky. It, just, I, yeah. it stinks less. But, but I, it, it stinks. It stinks a little it less. less. And and that and that's what it comes down to. Jerry and I both recognize uh, that what we're talking about here is raising the credit limit on my family credit card and agreeing to not go into debt a little less over time. And we right. know that's a bad thing. Listen, we're not right. denying that. But there is no reality right now unless listen. Unless everybody in Washington were replaced, uh, both Democrats and Republicans, frankly, um, that that this is not going to change somehow. Um, and so this is where we're going. So in the end, in order to sort of live to fight another day, and as Jerry correctly points out, focus on the appropriations bills and the budget process down the and road. That, and, and Republicans control all the, the committee right. chairs. What, what really, what, you know, the, again, it, it comes back to focusing on the fundamentals, which is that between now and November of 2024, Republicans have got to field a, a good presidential candidate, someone who has coattails who can deliver an increase in the number of Republican seats in the House and an increase in the Republican seats in the Senate so the Republicans can control the Senate so that maybe just maybe we can start to get stuff done. The other part, you know, Jerry, hold on for a second. The other part yeah. of this, and, and this is something that isn't really reported right because republicans get the constant blame for not being willing to compromise on things but let's again go back to the ironically ironically because the republicans end up compromising on everything right uh, and pre-negotiate against themselves by the way yes. which is a whole which is a whole problem but let's remember that there were opportunities um back during back, back when republicans held both houses of congress during the yes. trump administration there were opportunities to go across party lines and solve some of the thorny issues that America yes. is facing, whether or not it's infrastructure or immigration or a host of other things, sure. and Democrats refuse to come to the table and negotiate in good faith on those things. That well, here, 
Yeah, sorry, that, this is a good point. I, I had, you know, I had three things uh, at top of mind. Number one the is three is things that you need to know, Jerry. Three things you need to know about the debt ceiling. Number one, uh, Republicans control the gavel, uh, all the gavels in the House. So therefore, going back to regular order, and we've been consistent on this. The Andrew and Jerry Show, we have been consistent. Uh, the most conservative, the most market based, the most uh, 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 you know uh, reform minded. Uh, thing to do in the House is simply go back to regular order, right. have hearings, bring up witnesses and pass these appropriation bills. We can do that. Republicans can do that in September. Number one, number two. Uh, and Mark Thiessen said this, so I, I don't take credit for it, but Mark Thiessen, you know, from AEI, also the Washington Post. Uh, but he, he uh, you ginned off it already. And that is he said, look, there is some hypocrisy uh, with the right, with these Republicans and their support. Supporters, uh, both in the grifter class, but also yes. in the in the punditry and the and the think tank uh, uh, community, and that is Republicans did have full control of the government for two right. years, right? Uh, 2017, 2018, right? And I understand that uh, the Democrats can pull mischief, and they did pull mischief. Uh, famously, famously or infamously, uh, Nancy Pelosi said that Republicans uh, are evil, sinful, immoral on, on the border, and therefore no Democrat, including in the Senate where you have the filibuster, no Democrat's going to compromise on the border issue. So there were some issues that because it was Trump, because it was controversial, they weren't going to get a, a, a solution or compromise. However, on spending, Republicans and Donald Trump broke the bank. And there's the real hypocrisy. They really did break the bank. I'm not talking about the tax cuts. Yeah. Everyone who says the tax cuts have ballooned the deficit and therefore yeah, the debt, they're all wrong. That is not true. In fact, you look at the uh, federal income, the tax revenue coming in, we're at all-time highs. So we do not have a uh, – we don't have a revenue problem in the in the government. We have a spending problem. But this uh, – and. It, and this last thing uh, is is that uh, again to gin off what you said and what Mark Thiessen wrote about is is Republicans moving forward, like if if the Freedom Caucus, which is you know threatening that there will be a reckoning with McCarthy over this de debt deal, if if the, if this is who you are, then be who you are consistently. Yes. So if DeSantis is president in 2024 and four years, you know, the four years after that, then let's see some discipline in the House, in the Senate. And Republicans need to rein in the deficit and rein in the debt. That's it. Yeah. Re remember, remember what we've long said both here and when I was on BAL and others, you know, that a, a politician is someone who can hold and espouse two diametrically opposed views simultaneously. Um, <laughs> and I and I and I and I and I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that. I mean, this is, listen, this is an, an age-old issue in terms of, of what happens in Congress. People get, a, this is where I was going to go, so I'm searching for this. Remember that before Donald Trump was elected president, I've been, we've been down this road way too many times. Jerry and I wrote a piece, uh, literally right before the election, on, on how if you were really concerned about reigning in executive branch power, if you were, especially if Donald Trump gets elected, uh, then when Donald Trump gets elected, both Democrats and never Trump Republicans should turn around and take steps to limit executive branch power. But neither side was willing to do that because both sides want, uh, I'm sorry, I say that with very few exceptions, um, but there is a, a core of people on both sides of the aisle 
especially on the left, who don't want to see any measure of uh, of uh, federal of executive branch power lessened. They like that. They like to wield it when they're and they, and, and they like power in the yes. uh, and, in and the, so, the imperial presidency. And, and so, and again, me, we yes, you know it's, it's funny. It was the Democrats back in the eighties, right when we were coming of political age. You know, we were teenagers, right. and then college in the nineties. But I remember the the left used to call the Reagan administration the imperial presidency. Right. Yes. And now, Listen, and, and think about how the how the power of the executive has grown even since even I, since Reagan. I, I, by leaps and bounds, I want to get into something in that in a second. I'm going to take a moment of personal privilege on that. I am just I'm reminded, Jerry, and I'm sure you witnessed this as well, uh, walking down the streets of Washington D.C. with our former uh, uh, boss Fred Smith from CEI. And a presidential motorcade would pass by, and Fred would angrily shake his fist and yell, "Boo! This is not an imperial president." Yes, he would boo and hiss and yell that. Yes. On that token, um, real quick, I am working on. Jerry knows this. I'm going to explain this to you. Um, I am working on a set of comments to the Office of Management and Budget. They are in the process of revising the guidelines that they use to assess the costs and benefits of regulation. It's the first time that this these processes will be will have been revised since 2003 and they are trying to inculcate things like ESG and DEI they're not calling it that they're calling it they're couching it in other terms but essentially they want to change the metrics by which we measure the benefits they want to vastly overstate the benefits of regulation uh, yes go ahead i want to comment on this because yeah. Um, again, all my good ideas, I, of course, uh, steal from other sources, but the, uh, foundation for economic education fee had a great piece that really caused me to think about ESG differently. He said that the question was, do you know why target commits market suicide with its pride over the top pride display there's one thing to have a pride display right there's another thing that do what target did with the right. uh satan knows your pronouns and, and and these other these other over the top really offensive um uh statements and displays but by regardless, the way i have no doubt that satan knows your pronouns but yeah but my, my point is is that my problem is not with a pride display in a, in, a, in, a, in in the marketplace my problem is when it's when it's when it's purposefully offensive right. to those who think differently. Yes. It goes against the idea of pluralism. It really does. Can we come back you know to I mean? this? Cause I want to yeah. talk, we want to talk about this in the context of what's happening with the LA Dodgers. Let, yes, things. of course. But let me, let me just mention this yeah. about ESG. So this, this, this piece over at fee, yes, at fee. Uh, uh, the reason why these companies target Bud Light, uh, Miller Light, we know who they are is not so much uh, because they think they'll, gain market they know they're going to lose money they do it to satisfy their esg overlords got it they could point to these type of market you know they could do a marketing thing for a month and then end it or they can do a they can do a three yeah, it week would be one thing jerry if it was if it was just the one thing and they end it but it's not right it just keeps going i, I mean i agree with that to an extent but yeah. i know from someone who it caused in, me to think differently i'm not sure if it's right or wrong but, but, it, know, did, but it did but, it did you know, cause me to think listen I, I just say from my perspective on this having had conversations i i think i've talked about this on the air i have a really good friend known for years who was in big time pr like you know we're talking about one of the big uh, PR firms in the country advising Fortune 500 clients. 
And this person was telling me about how you get these Gen Z kids who come into these PR firms and they think they know everything and they start advising yes. these Fortune 500 right. companies yes. and they give them just absolutely terrible advice that has no, you know, no uh, uh, relationship well, I, again, to what's happening in the real world. I don't want to go down this 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 branch, but well, but we talked about that just again, just to confirm. This is we should just have a show that we just confirm how right, right we are. I do that at, at the Jerry I mean, Rogers I think that's show. The, that's the essence of our show. The, 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 the world I have a Jerry's Just Right segment at WBAL that is really a lot of fun. But you know, part of the problem with Gen Z, part of the problem with younger millennials, is that they haven't been taught history, right? And so, no. therefore. They have no real depth or knowledge, and they make these silly mistakes they that, that cost the company billions or, of dollars. Or they've taught been taught a disrespect for history. Right, yes, they of course. Learn nothing from history because it's right. all right. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I sat down with a, um, a, a host named uh, Scott Hook on Memorial Day, and we spent a lot of time. Uh, his, his, it's the right hook show with, uh, with Scott. Anyway, it was good stuff. Um, but so but hold on, let me let me just finish this point about about OMB. The the point is, oh, yes. that this is essentially the OMB is creating a license to commit major regulatory larceny, and yes, nobody knows about it, and, and they'll get massive. away with it. And and well, they'll they'll get away with it. And the problem, of course, is is that it will then it you know it it will take another administration coming in and engaging in the revisions to this, and it's a whole process that has to be gone through. And I, I listen. I was surprised when the when the Trump administration focused on regulation. I'm sure, yeah. whoever, if the Republican comes in next, they will. But the problem, of course, is if the Republican loses in 2024, we will have five years of yeah. massive regulatory growth. I have projected that regulations will cost the American economy seven trillion dollars by 2030. And, and again, just to, again, just to emphasize emphasize this point, yeah. the regulatory burden. And the wealth theft, the and I'm not talking about the Elon Musk. I'm talking about the Main Street mom and pop shops right. that will never that will never happen because of regulatory overreach or uh, companies that want to reinvest uh, in American manufacturing uh, in jobs Listen, or wages me, in America. Let me bring it. Let me bring these it things down won't happen. The basic Gilbert Gottfried example, which is the pizza store, because Gilbert Gottfried can never use the phrase pizzeria for whatever reason. You know, you have a pizza store and and all of a sudden <laughs> the EPA comes down and says you can no longer have either a coal fired or a gas fired pizza oven. You have to put an electricity that, fired that's, oven. That's ridiculous. They'll never come after your gas. They, they will never do that. But the, the point is, is that is that, you know, we measure costs in terms of the direct regulatory cost and how much it's going to cost them to do this. That impacts jobs that impacts reinvestment that impacts look in the state of maryland consoles. right yeah. from where i'm broadcasting Perfect. uh you can't get a decent uh bagel egg and cheese sandwich yeah why uh, because in these bagel shops in new jersey there's a reason why oh this the, is a, this is a great story. there's a reason why the bagel sandwiches are so good yes the water the bagels the bread i get all that but also, if you order a sandwich, they fry it right there in right. front of you. There's a there, there's a, a grill. There's a griddle, right? Yes. And however, in Maryland, uh, it, uh, because of regulations, uh, if you want to have a griddle, if you want to have a hot plate, yes, uh, you have to train uh, and, and and license rather license every worker, which comes to seven k per worker. Right. Well, if you're a bagel shop, you've been to a bagel shop on a Sunday morning, right? You got you got ten kids working. Yes. I'm right. You have I mean, you have 10 people working. Yes. So, so 10 times seven 
is seventy thousand dollars. And that's for one regulation, right? This yeah, is the this is right. This, this is the this is the thing we not to again not to go down the rabbit hole. And, and yeah, that's why in Maryland, if you want to ask for a bacon, egg, and cheese or a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich, they'll usually put it in they'll in the microwave. In the microwave, which yes, is it, it is it is astounding to me. And also, I'll give you another example of this in New York City. Um, uh, how if you go order a sandwich, if you, if you order cream cheese and bagel at a local at a, at a deli in the Bronx. Yes. It'll cost you $9. $10, whatever the cost is. Because there's a sandwich regulation, sandwich tax. If you order a bagel slice with cream cheese on the side, $1.50. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so some restaurants are beginning to say, "Hey, order yeah. that pastrami and rye, but order it open face right and, and then there's no sandwich tax it's funny because you know weirdly enough it was congressman brad sherman of california of course brad sherman brad sherman who democrat from california <laughs> of course it was brad sherman no who had a who had this he was doing one of those dc's funniest people things. yes well you, you know, said it as if the whole audience all knows answered, no, i'm explaining oh a good old boy brad brad sherman and sherman or sherman sherman Sherman, I'm sorry. Not Sherbert, not Billy Sherbert. I like Sherbert. Brad Sherman, yes. Um, about California's regulation and tax on on crackers versus bread and whether matzo was going to be considered a cracker or bread for the purposes of taxation. And the California Department of Regulation, whatever it was, they wanted to tax it as a cracker. And Brad Sherman, as a state assemblyman, had to go and fight it. So no. Matzah is the bread of affliction. It's not the cracker of affliction. <laughs> All these are regular organs. Anyway, I didn't mean to go down this road. The point but, is, yes, I, 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 I have direct costs yeah. and they have indirect costs. And essentially, worst of all, is that is that the OMB wants to vastly overstate the benefits. And That's Andrew, if we weren't running right around talking about never Trump this or, or right. ESG that or, or pride baseball over here we can we actually could have substantive conversations about the regulatory uh cost about the economy we can't have a decent public discussion let me just say this we can't have a decent public discussion uh, while we're splitting a decent sausage egg and cheese sandwich right right but here but here but i thought about this today andrew about the public debate public discussion i i really do enjoy a debate you know uh my wife and i sometimes you know that book men mars and venus men are from mars women are from venus because they kind of talk differently different languages whatever and i discovered recently that my wife and i were talking about some issues and she was really getting not offended but she was getting defensive yeah i couldn't understand why and i finally said i said said, what's going on with you like why are you getting uh, excited with me and she said well because you're like like like, because your, your mind is made up i said no it's not not at all i said i'm just I'm just ta- I'm I'm talking to think. Yes. I'm just I'm making a case. I don't know if it's the best case. And so and also I like the tension of a discussion where there's an argument. Sure, absolutely. my wife does not. But my, my but my point is that the, there's nothing wrong with a public discussion that with some tension, with some argument. You know, what what is the phrase I used to use? A a a civil yet spirited debate. Right. Well, now, it's like Jerry, the 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 last episode you and I did where we had a spirited discussion about the legacy of Donald Trump. And you and I were in disagreement about this. It's funny because someone asked me that recently about the show generally, like, well, wait a minute, if you two are both conservative 
Uh, how do you, you know, how what, what's interesting about the two of you having this? Is it because we do disagree about things? Because we argue all the you time. Know, all because the time. because the the right, uh, just like the left, isn't the monolith. There's different. There's there's different exactly. takes on issues. Plus, but let me say this, which is yeah, very, very interesting. No, you're that wrong. I found interesting today, and we can move on to the to to the baseball struggle sessions, Major League yes. Baseball struggle sessions. Uh, but you know, the never Trump community, right? Ostensibly. Donald Trump was not worthy of the office of presidency. Right. And, you know, and we can talk about this later in the show, but his his attack on Kaylee McInerney. Yes. I think demonstrates his lack of character and why people would believe he doesn't have the character for the presidency. I get that. But he, but here's what I don't get. It's been it's been it's been four, five, six going on seven years of the anti-Trump movement. Right. In any way, have they elevated the public discourse right in no, any way have, have they right. have they uh so trump is wrong but who is right right it, and it gets into the, the the back and forth between dan mclaughlin from the national review national and review. david french recently over over you know david french's excoriation of of uh, ron DeSantis. yeah right? I, which but the funny thing is is about some of these never trumpers and David French is really a disappointment because, you know, because he claims to be a believer, a person of faith. Right. Uh, but then he comes out and and favors things that and excuses things or makes excuses for things. Uh, and I, frankly, I think and I'll say this, I think it's because he wants to be accepted by the D.C. He doesn't live in D.C., Maybe. by the way. Yeah. But but I use this as a euphemism, the D.C., uh, you know, intellectual circuit. He wants to be yeah. accepted. But um, but the the never Trump movement has not made the debate clearer me, or or better. It's made it worse, right? And and one would hope, right? The Jonah Goldbergs of the world, right? Jonah Goldberg is someone who who prior to the you know folks losing their minds over Trump is someone whose writing I respected greatly, you know. Larry Hogan again, you know, someone who you know who could have taken steps to elevate the debate. I, I'm, I, but I also want to sort of cast our mind across the aisle at something. Because something caught my eye the other day, and I've mentioned this person on the air, a, a, a Hollywood producer named Robert Fivalent that I interviewed, who every once in a while will troll me on Twitter or attempt to engage with me. Like um, I posted something very nice on the passing of Tina Turner last week, and he got all in my grill on Twitter. Uh, you know, does, Tina he doesn't does like Tina Turner. No, he loves Tina Turner. He said, "But how dare you? How dare you say something nice?" Tina Turner stood for everything that you stood against everything that you stand for, which I don't think is necessarily true, but this is not my point. My point is, is that I, I, I watch because his stuff will occasionally pop up on my Twitter feed. And, and he had been involved in a debate with somebody and, and had gotten into essentially arguing with somebody online and had gotten really nasty. And when I mean nasty, Jerry, I mean, talking about, people having their fingers in their own orifices. And it was just, it was really gross. And then he finally was demonstrated to have been wrong. And he tried to duck away and say, my bad. I'm, you know, which I, I appreciate people apologizing. But my point in all of this is when you go down the road in a debate of engaging in not just personal invective, but like the nastiest kind of personal invective, um, it, it makes it impossible to have any kind of a rational discussion about things. You're uh, fat. You know, well, but, yeah, well, you're listen, ugly. You know, your you know, wife's, well, your listen, wife's oh, a real, oh, I got, I got that. You know, you, right. You have, you have a bad, you have a bad haircut. Listen, I don't have a bad haircut. I, I, I really don't 
give a crap about my hair. Uh, but no, but you're right though. So again, I experience this on the radio all the time. Yes, I'll, I'll make a point about an issue, and instead of coming back and offering the right. uh, the other side of the issue, I get the "You're a Nazi." Yes, you hate oh. women or or some nonsense. You know, it, it, it's so funny because it, it popped up. I don't know how it popped up in my email. Something popped up and it was an email from a listener, someone who had called you a Nazi. And I basically wasn't having having any of it with with that person um, and, 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 and told them so. I mean, but, but see, this is and this is what leads us into the polarization. <laughs> By the way, whenever I get a uh, I don't engage with the trolls on Twitter. But when I get a uh, you you miscreant, no good, son of a gun, Trumper, blah blah blah, I always say thanks for listening. <laughs> there you go, thank you. Well, that's you know that's in the end that's what you're supposed to. Do. By the way, I got a very nice uh, email from uh, listener E Ruby. <coughs> um, you know, just the other day, and and uh, I'm hoping that uh, you know. Anyway, it was it was very nice to. To, to get an email from from uh, one of the WBAL yeah, listeners yeah. out there. But the, Jerry, this is the point, though, is that we we have to be able to solve problems. We have serious problems. We do. In America, we have very serious problems. And some of, the, some of them we can't agree on what the problem is, and some of them we can't agree on what this is. But the, but the bottom line is we have to be able to talk to each other. And when we don't talk to each other, uh, that's where you, you get into, you know, elderly pro-life activists being attacked outside of Abortion. You know what? It's funny. Uh, one of our WBAL listeners had emailed me about this. Let's 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 let's, let's just uh, uh, hit on this for a yeah, second. Please. So, you know, we hear all the time from the mainstream media that the biggest threats uh, to America are the right wing, the uh, the white right. nationalists. President, listen, and all the President rest Biden of it. said it at at a at a and in historically black yeah. university. He said the greatest threat to America right now. Is the domestic terrorism of of white supremacy? Yeah, and and, and he, this is very interesting because this truly is gaslighting. Because yeah. you know, if you look at if you look at FBI numbers, you know, uh, crime stats and all the rest of it, I mean, you know, if you're living in Baltimore City or Chicago or Philadelphia, uh, the biggest threat isn't a white nationalist. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's 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 local gangs and right. local thieves. Yes, and 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 also uh, broadly, again, this. This elderly pro-life, elderly pro-life couple, yes. they weren't att attacked uh, by a Christian sect. They were attacked by progressives. Uh, go back to the summer of uh, of 2020 and the consistent, the uh, the violence, the murder, the mayhem. Uh, the remember the um, the no go zones in in, right. in out west seattle. i mean people yeah, yeah i mean women were raped uh, we are, uh there were all kinds of nonsense going on all left wing by the, the way the most significant aspect of of the 2020 2021 era was january 6 2021 when the reality is we had almost 10 months preceding that of relentless violence happening in american cities including i would add an attempt to breach the fence at the white house of course uh, by 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 a group of people i i guess my my point in sort of raising this jerry is that it then sort of leads us into these other stories that are out there which is you know i and i want to go here right which is because you you underscored it you have this attack on this elderly couple the gaslighting of america on white supremacy at the same time you have a law professor or a, a, someone speaking to cuny law school 
and and yeah, a, a graduate yeah. who gave a vitriolic, anti-Semitic, anti-police, anti-white. Right? Can, is that even a thing? That I, can I say that? And you know what? Usually, I see these headlines, and it's clickbait. I went back. I listened to. I listened to her speech. Right. I don't understand why she wasn't taken off the stage. Right. And and, and you it was it was say, well, it was it's yeah. the City University of New York, but you know, still you turn around and say, Yeah, you know, it, there are still boundaries of decency, even at a place like CUNY. Um, but then you turn around, and this is just one law professor at the City University of New York. Then you turn around and you have Wes Moore giving his speech. Well, let, 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 let's stop there because yeah. because it's something I've thought about the last two yeah. weeks, and that is Wes Moore is becoming a dangerous racial demagogue. So Jerry and I at one point have, have talked about this show being, you know, Wes Moore, the chat GPT candidate. Sure. We may do that because, down the road, but Because, listen, it is as if someone put him in a political lab and yes. came out with this person of color, good-looking Johns Hopkins, um, military Oxford, Oxford, military combat veteran, uh, Wall Street, married, two beautiful kids. He's the whole package. It, it is like an Aaron Sorkin created character. Absolutely. Right. And here's the thing. Uh, he's a mile wide and an inch deep. Yes. He talks in bromides. He talks in um, in cliches. Uh, he's like Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, he's, you know, uh, leave no one behind, you know, and, and all these kind of cliches that he uses. However, he's dangerous. Yeah. Because he really is the, the, uh, the, I'm all about inclusivity and peace, but really there's a dark politics behind him that is extraordinarily racial. Well, it is, and what when I say dangerous, because when Al Sharpton was at his peak, there were some who went Al's way, Al Sharpton, right. but there were others who knew he was a hustler. Right. There were others who knew his criminal background. There were others who knew about the Tawana Brawley scandal. Absolutely. And so he never made it in the eighties, the nineties, uh, to be a mainstream civil rights leader. Well, now MSNBC always, has he was always wearing tracksuits, so you know it was right. a whole other thing. MSNBC has has relaunched him as a as a pundit, that sort of thing. But he's he's past his prime. Yes. That's not Wes Moore. Right. Wes Moore is a on paper a serious person who is saying the most dangerous, unserious things. For example, the week that Ron DeSantis launches his political campaign. Don't tell me these Democrats aren't coordinated. He gives his speech about book banning. Yes. And again, no one in the state of Maryland, a reporter here, a journalist, a journal, but but nationally, he's been on different national shows. No one will ask him the question, what book? Right. Specifically, well, you know, the 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 U.S. poet, her book was banned. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It's still in the, in the library. It wasn't banned. It was taken from a from a from a, a preschool or elementary school section of the library and put into the middle school right. section of the library. There's not allowing for children to read age appropriate books is not book banning. Right. Yes. But the left has read again redefined it, and 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 the media doesn't question it. 
and this is this is dangerous because there is no I want to say this there is no book banning right it's yes. not happening it's not happening anywhere and there you know uh, uh, in in Florida state taxpayer funded universities and colleges yeah they they're going to be making choices in curriculum but just because one book is chosen another book is not isn't book banning listen remember and and again so much of this was predicted in the early 90s by the movie PCU and i hate to go back to that example but right the president of the university goes to two board of trustees members and says listen um, we need to figure out where we're going to put our gay and bisexual gender studies department, but either the football team or the math department has to go. I think it should be the math department, right? This is, we, we live in an era in which there are, 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 you know, especially with our government funded entities, they have to make choices, uh, in terms of uh, sure. how they're going to use their resources. Uh, maybe we should stick to the fundamentals here, but let me, let me just focus on Westmore for a second and the danger here. Because this is the danger. Westmore, by the way, the the governor, the of Maryland. Just if we yes, the governor that. of Maryland. This is the the danger here of Orwellian double speak, yeah. which is saying one thing and couching in the language in a certain way when you're doing just the opposite, right? It's this idea of oh no, we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna all engage. It is it is it's essentially it's a refinement of. Joe Biden being the I'm going to bring everybody together candidate when, in fact, he and his team are doing just the opposite, doing whatever they can to drive each other apart. Right. Wes Moore is just the next flavor of that, where where from a he may mouth, you know, the 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 platitudes, the bromides, as Jerry says, of love and peace and togetherness. But then he's going to, you know, enact policies that are going to serve to drive people further apart. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. He was on Westmore was on one of the national um, uh, cable shoot shows, and again, he was on there and he was talking about re reproductive rights and using all the euphemisms for abortion. Yes, uh, reproductive rights, reproductive health, uh, women's health. Uh, no one should get in between a doctor uh, and 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 her patient. All again, all the cliches, yeah. all the bromides, and he was criticizing. Um, DeSantis as being anti-woman, anti-reproductive health, anti-reproductive rights. Now, but here's the difference. Ron DeSantis has made has made his position clear. He believes that at some point in pregnancy, after the heartbeat, I think it is, yes. that there's that that's when you can start restricting abortions. Sure. Others think, well, maybe when the fetus can feel pain, others believe that uh, once there's viability outside the womb. My point is, is that there are lots of places within now, I'm pro-life. I, I think that the, it's a child and I believe abortion is again, it's it's I want it's a killing of an innocent human being. Yeah. Uh, but however, we live in, in politics and in my mind, less abortions is better than more abortions. Listen, so if, if Ron... second, this gets into the entire theme of the show, which is going and finding compromise to find solutions, right? Right. right. It, in a perfect world, there would be no abortions, but it is a less stinky way of doing it. Right. To, and look, yes. like, like dur during the 1840s and 1850s, there were very bad compromises. Uh, the Missouri Compromise, where, right. okay, uh, states above this, uh, uh, this latitude, was it latitude? Yes, latitude, longitude goes long right. Well, yeah, states above this line would be free states. States yes. below this line could be slave states. Uh, again, it's it's horrifying to think about it, but it was a 
necessary given the times compromise. Well, today, governors like Ron DeSantis are making the tough decisions to say, look, this, there's a compelling interest for the state to interfere at some point right. because of the viability of the fetus, because of a heartbeat, because of pain, for, for any number of scientific biological reasons, not right. faith-based reasons, biological and scientific reasons. So anyway, Ron DeSantis has shown himself on this. He's shown his cards. Wes Moore won't even answer a question. Right. And, he was and, asked, worse, and worse, nobody will ask him the question. Right. Well, he was asked once uh, during the single debate for uh, for governor. He was asked about, you know, would he support any restrictions on abortion? And his response was, again, the ready-made uh, chat GPT, GPT. Uh, uh, response was, uh, uh, well, that's abortion is healthcare, And he would mm -hmm. not answer the question. So he's on he's on this program criticizing another governor who's made hard choices and politically, uh, you know, politically, uh, politically dangerous choices, yes. decisions. And the reporter won't even say, well, Mr. Governor, do you support abortion when the child's viable? Right. And then if he said, well, if he says no, if he says, no, I believe abortion up until the moment of birth, well, then he's an extremist. Right. If he says, I do support restrictions on abortion when the child's viable. Well, then he's no different than Ron DeSantis, right. except they just draw the line differently. Yes. But you see, the journalist doesn't even put him in the position where he has to defend it is, himself. It is, well, right. This is and this is the the built in benefit that your average Democrat candidate has yes. in terms of running for office. The structural the structural benefit of all this. It gets in the buffalo. What are you doing? Oh. I wanted to do a ding there for you, but it didn't I work. Appreciate that. That's all right. We don't. There it is. That's a ready. Did you hear it? I didn't hear it. Oh, Don't worry about it. it. Your mic may not have picked it up. It, it, these these right. things these things happen. But I mean, but that's, that's 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 the that's the issue here, and it gets into all of these other things with with the but for the 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 the, the issue is in the end. You know, one of the fundamental problems is we don't have an honest press, you know, doing the work that needs to be done in terms of holding these candidates accountable. And when you have a candidate who is or a candidate, a, a politician who has the potential to be incredibly dangerous and divisive. Right. I mean, it's and, and no one and no one is probing, asking, poking, uh, trying to to again, oh. if I were the GOP, I would have a special Westmore project. Where on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, I'd put out. I'd remember when Bill. Ferguson. My goodness, who? Who are you? I, I, there are lots of bills out there. The Never Trumper. Uh, the Weekly Standard. Oh, Bill Crystal. Remember when Bill Crystal was the uh, was the uh, Dan Quayle's chief of staff? Yes. Remember what he did every no. day? Well, he just. It was brilliant, and it started uh, uh, to 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 organize, and the pro uh, and the conservative movement kind of coalesced around it. He did a daily fax. Yeah, every day he faxed something. Yes, that everyone could agree about. Right. Well, the GO the GOP now should have a daily, like a Westmore watch. Sure. Because he is next in line, he will right. be I mean, the next okay. nominee. Listen, and so we can. We, and don't wait. Go after him now. You're absolutely correct. You build a record now for when he runs for president, right? It was. Yeah. It's a situation in which we know this is going to happen down the road. So someone needs to take the steps today and do it, right? This is. This is. If there was still, you know, and I should go and double check. I just don't have the energy to do it. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna speculate. This is me speculating 
that the Change Maryland website and the Change Maryland organization is no more. This was the organization that Larry Hogan used to propel himself to the governorship back in 2013, 2014. Now, an organization like Change Maryland should be the ones doing this. I mean, it could be the it could be the Maryland Republican Party, but I, frankly, I think it would be preferred if it was somebody outside of the MDGOP that was sort of running this and doing a daily kind of briefing. You're right, getting out to the activists in Maryland every day. Here is what the governor is doing. Send your letters, send your postcards, make right. your phone calls. Here's his emails. position on freedom of speech. Here's yes. what he said in his Morehouse. Uh, commencement. Uh, here's his position on abortion. Uh, here's what he said on CNN. You know, it's it's interesting, Jerry, because in the end, right, we know that in Maryland there is a uh, uh, from a from a voter standpoint, an election standpoint, Democrats have a built-in structural advantage. They sure. they outnumber Republicans two to one. But I will dare say that if even a handful, a small percentage. Uh, of those Republican voters were contacting the state house on a daily basis, contacting the governor's office on a daily basis, saying this stinks, you shouldn't do this. You know, it might it might make the governor think twice or, about saying or, stupid or, things or, or think that or same thought, things. but think it differently. And that is, if the if the G if the state GOP in any state where there, uh, you know, there's been a lot of pieces of late City Journal, uh, American Greatness. Uh, several other venues have done really interesting pieces on, on how to turn California red. Yes. And it won't happen because no one is doing the things necessary. And these aren't like big revolutionary changes. A couple things. Yeah. Big change never happens through big events. Right. Big change happens through gradual little changes. Yes. So in a state like California or Maryland or New Jersey, um, if you want to see big change, if you want to see more competitive uh, races, uh, you got to do the little things right. And that's the laziness of the Republican Party in these states. Well, I, they I, they are not. Some, look, of is, some of it is laziness. I also think some of it is. Listen, it's the lack it's of the imagination, very, it's the very dangerous combination of having folks who are very young and very inexperienced running these state political parties who don't know how to organize themselves out of a wet paper bag. By the way, if I see issue, one more hold on, hold on. thing on Facebook about, you know, you woohoo, young Republicans uh, in Annapolis at what at the bar, like, like uh, yes, what the what? Yeah, it's not. That, that's right. It's it's these are not social organizations. They can do social things, but they should. I just by the way, just because you mentioned New Jersey, I have to point out and I'm, I don't I don't know if it was intentional. I would like to think that it was. Washington Examiner, maybe when you're talking about Chris Christie getting in the 2024 presidential yeah. race, maybe you don't use the phrase, another heavyweight is going to announce he's running for president next week. That's awesome. Maybe that was on purpose. <laughs> I, was like, I, just, I, just, I said, maybe I, that was I on love purpose. you guys at the Examiner. You just published my stuff. What was that, Jerry? Maybe that, that was on purpose. I think it was on purpose. I that just, was an you know, intended uh, pun intended. Well, listen, it's like the, it's like the time you had the former Miss Universe who jumped out of a window, and People Magazine's headline was "Former Miss Universe made a tremendous impact." No. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, That's horrible. Absolutely That's true. Oh, listen, I had real. I'm going to digress for a second. Headless I had, body found in topless. Yes, bar. I had when I was a kid. 
The Columbia School of Journalism used to do an annual review of the worst headlines ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And and I, I we had a neighbor who got me a couple of these books um, growing up, and they were just they were awesome. You know, it yeah. was uh, red red tape holds up new bridge was I think the title of one of those books. Um, but it's it's all 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 very good. I mean, so we want. Do you know where West... the phrase "red tape" comes from? Yeah, I, in fact, hold on, Jerry. Wait a minute. Hold on. Well, he's going. He's disappearing. There he is. Yes. You see my knee brace and everything. Yeah, what's on your finger? All right, we're gonna go through. Besides the fact that I've screwed up my knee, I can I can I gross everybody out. So I don't know if you can see it, but I got a massive burn on my fingers. Oh, I was burning the other burn. day, All right. and and the blister on this finger popped. This finger popped, and this one's still there. So Jerry, I was awarded when I was at NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business. Yes, I was awarded. Who gave this to me? Um, this was from the Council for Excellence in Government. Uh, you can't see it, uh, but you can see this little piece of of red tape. Yeah. So I was awarded uh, the Cutting Red Tape Award. Um, I don't remember what year this was. Uh, this piece of twill tape circa 1870 originally wrapped Civil War records. To yes. Document one had to cut the red tape. So I have a piece of actual red tape yeah, for, that was given to for me. For soldiers to get their pensions yeah. and get their yes. uh, monies due, the the paperwork was wrapped in red tape red tape red red twill so yeah so i've and i yeah. and i have a piece of it you know it's the little there you go. a little a little a little of. andrew and jerry a save a trivia right yes, there. yes yes um yes. oh by the way <laughs> i'm gonna digress again so and folks I'll, I'll remind us all i'm about to go on vacation my wife and i are taking a cruise <laughs> and and i'm with all, who andrew what with, with who, who? Well, I mean, you with mean, whom among, are you going? Among me, you mean besides me and my wife and the yes. and the five thousand other guests that are going to be yes, on the yes, ship, yes. Uh, my my mother in law and father in law and oh, my sister in law and and her husband as well. But Jerry, the point is the schedule of activities. Have you ever done a, a, a big? I've never done a big cruise before. Eric and I on our honeymoon, so you know, a long time ago, we went on a cruise. I loved it. I so, had a blast. So now you know all of this stuff is done on app. So you get you have an app that you download and it gives you the menus and all the activities and the excursions and things. So there is trivia and trivia contests in the various bars on the ship uh, all throughout the day. I'm very excited. How do you feel about everything going to app? You know, speaking of the Washington Examiner, we really are going on a tangent here, but yes, but it's all right. Um, Timothy, uh, Tim Carney, Tim Carney, Timothy uh, Patrick Carney had a really good piece. Not, um, oh, never mind. Who did he work for? Bob. uh, Bob uh, who Novak, we... Bob Novak, not yeah. Bob Novak's son, as I thought when I was a Alex staffer. Yes, yeah. Go ahead, Alex uh, Novak uh, works at Regnery Publishing. As a matter of fact, good guy. Yeah, well, I thought uh, Tim Carney. Uh, I thought Tim Carney was Bob Novak's son. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> no, he's not. Alex no, Novak not. is is Bob's son. Anyway, long story short, Tim did a piece. Uh, Tim Carney did a piece on uh, how in the old days, and, I, and again, t- Tim's younger than me, younger than you. But I guess the old days, our our old days, you know, my old days might have been late 80s, early 90s, maybe his or mid 90s, late 90s. But anyway, in the old days, and I could do this when I was a kid, we could go down to Yankee Stadium right, and buy bleacher seats when you're, you know, 16, 17, sure. whatever, 15. You, you know, it, we can make our way to Yankee Stadium and and buy buy seats, uh, buy a Cracker Jack soda and have an afternoon at the ballpark. Yes, kids can't do that anymore. No, not because they e- 
because everything is on the phone. Well, you know, Jerry, it's interesting. And, 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 and you just said your, your trip is the app. Well, what if you're someone who chooses no, no, no. not to okay. have the, the the iPhone? Well, here's the thing. I know on ships, or whatever they actually give they give stuff out on paper and you can see the activities. All right, paper. good. They, good, they good. do that. They do that stuff there. But it's just you know now and sort of. Plan my father has that. never owned a, a smartphone. All right. It's, well, that's interesting. But my parents have smartphones, but it's the same thing. They just use them for phone calls, and it's very confusing. Well, my that's how my mother does. Although this, my mom this, loves uh, Pimple Popper. This issue of of uh, is that a game? I thought it was a TV show. The pimple, no, she actually watches this this oh, the dermatologist. Dr. Pimple popper, yes, yeah, it's a pop whole, the pimples. Yeah, it's a she loves it. So, um, but you know, <laughs> this has its roots, Jerry. I mean, besides, you know, I worked on the the ticketing issue and the ticket resale issue. Sure. For many I did too. Yes, I gave testimony in, in 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 Tallahassee. That's right. Um, I've forgotten you got into Tallahassee for that. So, so the um, um, but the it actually has its roots when venues stopped accepting cash. Right tickets, right? When you would have to use a credit card, and if people didn't have credit cards, they couldn't get tickets to things. No, I mean, listen. This hey, is I a- went to a, I went to a concert, uh, Robert Plant concert last summer. By the way, I think I'm seeing Robert Plant again this summer. Yay! Um, and all the all to buy food or drink, you know, it was non cash. So, so Jerry, by the way, I'll give you a piece of advice: if you have yes. tickets to see Robert Plant. You should reach out to Robert Plant's publicist and try to get Robert Plant on your side. Oh, I'm going to do that. So there you go. Get you know. Percy on the uh, WBAL. Yes, I, I think uh, this Jerry would, Rogers this show. Would, this would, yes. Listen, we got to get going them. here. Let's 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 uh, talk about the. We talked about Donald Trump briefly. Oh, yes. About going yes. after Kaylee McInerney. Yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, well, again, it's 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 really. Here's the thing, and Andrew, you know me. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you. Maybe, let, let's see how well you know me. What in my mind? What is the most important attribute a person can have L- loyalty loyalty your loyalty friend. yes loyalty and so you know people will say that donald trump uh his best attribute is that he's loyal right well no he's not yeah he's the opposite of loyal well he goes well, after everyone uh, kaylee McInerney, like her or dislike her believe in her politics or not she was the best uh, uh, white house spokesperson uh uh since I'm not sure who before her, she defended the presidency. She defended the policies, uh, could make the complex conversational. Uh, and why is he, he? And now he's attacking her. And by the way, in a social media post where he misspells milk toast. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I, I thought that was hysterically funny. Oh, M-I-L-K-T-O-A-S-T. Yes. No, that's not how you spell. But the, the point is, in the end, Right. It's a one way street for Donald Trump. Yes. It's always about people remaining loyal to him. You know, it's it's OK. I'll give you an example. And and it's so Michael Steele and I don't have a lot of we haven't had a conversation with each other in a very, very long time. Um, but it is very rare. And I don't think I've ever really. Well, said- Andrew, if you can hire him and pay him for something i'm sure he'll i talk see to and then see I, jerry says this but i i will i will not say a bad word about michael Steele in the air because michael Steele was a, a, was a very good friend of mine and he's a grifter I, he uh, abandoned okay. his principles he's intellectually dishonest i'll say a lot of things you can say all true. sorts of things jerry and it's just you know it's just one of those things michael is michael michael is my friend and but that's that's the point is that you know and i'm not going to go down that road of, of <laughs> criticizing him in that way the point is that you know People can criticize their friends. Uh, they can criticize people 
um, uh, that they have worked for in the past. Well, look, without you could be being... friends with Michael Steele and disagree with his partnership right. uh, with the Lincoln Project. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or, or the fact that I think that, you know, Michael, you know, is he, you know, go, shouldn't have signed on with MSNBC. Yeah. Oh, look, 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 I just said those things. I disagree. About Steele. I disagree. Listen, I was I disagree being with Michael. I, was, I, I right, disagree I, with Michael on things like the national popular vote. And Michael right. is this. Now, um, just for the record, I said those things about Michael Steele just to kind of make fun of Andrew a little bit. Yes. But however, what Andrew just said is that's that's my that 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 is my attitude towards Michael Steele. Right. I, I, I'm disappointed and I disagree with his uh, policy choices of late. And, yes. you know, and again, I don't think we should be right. personal it's, in it's, our attacks. It's, it's it's well, it's interesting. So I was going to sort of engage in a bit of circular logic here. Right. I mean, it's one of those things where I know Michael was and is still ardently pro-life. When Donald Trump got elected, Donald Trump was ardently pro-life. Now the question is, where is Donald Trump on abortion? I have no right. idea. Well, you know, um, he's... Sorry, go ahead. But to make questions about that um, and to essentially say, you know something? And this is, listen, by the way, if Donald Trump understood anything about sort of the history of the modern Republican Party, he would understand we don't like to nominate people who have lost prior elections. It happens very rarely. In fact, I think in the last century, right, so since 1924, 1923, the one time Republicans have renominated a candidate that had lost um, and who hadn't been president before was Richard Nixon in 68. Uh, we see how well that turned out in the end. Um, but the reality is, right, have we ever, have we ever renominated Jerry a president who had lost uh, a re-election campaign. I don't think so. No. Yeah. So yeah, there's well, history here that Donald Trump apparently is not aware of. Now, maybe at the time for history is to, to, look, to move on from that. I, 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 I spoke to someone over the weekend who politically, I, I, I respect greatly uh, this person's opinion. And he asked me, uh, who do you like? And I said, look, I mean, I like them all. I like uh, Christy Noem. I like uh, Tim Scott. I like Ron DeSantis. Um, I said, if I had to choose right now, I'd choose Ron DeSantis because yeah. he pushes back against the woke disorder. Uh, and he also has policy chops. He actually has done governing uh, both in the Congress, but more specifically uh, and very uh, effectively in Florida. So right. I think he's the guy. He has both the muscle and the brains. Yes. And this person's response was, he thinks only Donald Trump could take on the media in a way that's necessary to win and push and to uh, fight back. But my response to that was, well, you only got him for four years. Yeah. He's elected Donald Trump if he's elected. And, you know, I don't see how a man who goes after Kaylee McInerney Hold on, Jerry. Can can you're, win, you're win making, the you're general making, election. Time out for a second. Jerry is about to make a very important point about I better make it the re-election of Donald Trump. Go ahead. Well, the, he he's immediately a lame duck president. Right. We ding, and, ding, and, and again, right. And and all my friends who watch, all my liberal friends who watch the West Wing, uh, we know from from Aaron Sorkin that really, if you're going to govern. It's going to be in that first 18 months of your pre right. your presidency. So we're going to have Donald Trump two and a half years as a lame duck. Yes. Yes. How do you build the party? How do you build momentum? How do you have a farm system of up and coming leaders when 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 the top of your party literally 
is an 80 year old, uh, 80 year old who can't run for reelection. Well, and, and yes, and an 80 year old who is prone to outbursts and alienating the and post- disloyalty and, and yeah, misspelling words yeah. and inviting uh, a, a, now, a racist over now, his again, house for dinner. Let's be really clear here, because I, you know, again, this is not casting aspersions on anything that Donald Trump accomplished when he was president of the United States. Um, but the point that Jerry is making here is that if we're going to have another go round at this, we should get somebody who can do the go round for eight years and not yes. just four. And also build and, and have someone with this. So whoever's president, if it's Nikki Haley or if it's Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, right. And ostensibly they're going to bring on a vice president who could be the heir apparent. Right. Of course. Do you do you think, if, first of all, who's going to want to run with Donald Trump at this point? Well, that's yeah. You know, well, give, give me. I, I know you off the top of your head. Give me. Give me a couple names. Uh, Carrie Lake. Okay, right. Yeah. Not the that's, future that's, of the party. That's, Lo- that's yeah. Lo- Lauren Boebert. Yeah, Lauren Boebert. Marjorie yes. Taylor Greene. Yes. Matt Gates. None of those names. The four that we just named. None of them will ever be president of the United States. Right. None of them will 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 build a party. And look, we can't be. And we started the show this way. We have to be inclusive as well. We have to have a broad party. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a it's a coalition of different interest groups. Uh, Carrie Lake can't do that, right? Lauren Bo, I don't even know why Lauren Boebert's Bo in the Congress. Huh. Her life is so out of order. <laughs> why, I mean, she should not be a United States Congresswoman. Uh, 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 Marjorie Taylor Greene keeps on saying the most insane things. Matt Gates, I think, is could be a could be a sinister. Uh, anti-hero in a Marvel movie. I mean, I mean, this is these aren't serious characters. Yes, but you, you, you elect a a forty-four-year-old Ron DeSantis. Yes, Ron DeSantis will be younger than you and me right now, our age right now. When he's done with the presidency after eight yes. years, he'll be younger yes. than us. That's which is a a, a scary and depressing thought. Jim. But I mean, but, but why not? That's, why that's, not? That's why exactly why not it. nominate the forty-four-year-old? And, and, and and by the way, Ron DeSantis could then go on and do other extraordinary things. You know, and, right, and he could be the, the anecdote to uh, yeah. uh, uh, Barack Obama. Yes, agreed. Yeah, he could be. Right. Uh, he he could then go and build a movement. Yes. So this yes. this this idea that it must be Trump. Makes no sense on any level. But, 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 you know, but again, I just, I don't want to, I want to underscore the point you're making because I don't think it's one that most folks are thinking about. And frankly, I think there's probably a huge segment of the population that think that because Donald Trump didn't get reelected, that he could run. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump probably thinks he could run for two terms. Yes. And, and I was robbed the second time. Very well try. And that's a whole nother debate that I just don't, I just don't want to have. Right. I just, I don't want to get into this. We know in the end, that Ron DeSantis is going to get savaged by the leftist press. Whoever the Republican candidate is, is going to be savaged by the leftist press as worse than Donald Trump. Yes. But I would rather have someone who's going to have that debate without all of the baggage that Donald Trump brings to the table. Jerry. Ron Ron DeSantis hasn't been accused credibly of raping somebody. No. Yes, that's, that's that's. Now, by the way, I don't believe Donald Trump did that. But I do think Donald Trump's history is such that he probably behaved consistently, inappropriately with women. Yes. Yeah, I, I will. The guy's got to go. I, I the guy's got to go. I will, also, I will. I, I, I'll end on this. I'll end on a substantive reason why Trump has to go. Because he gave us the lockdowns. He failed. His COVID policies 
were well, a and, colossal and point, failure. Let's, let's let's also be really clear here. By the time we got to 2020, now I want to I want to underscore this, and this is again where Ron DeSantis is very different than Donald Trump, and and where having the experience of being in office and dealing with substantive issues again. One of the things that Donald Trump did really well when he came in is, you know, in his surprise election of 2016, is that he appointed good people to good positions around him, and he had good people advising him for the first, again, as Jerry said, it's not, it's about uh, roughly 30 months in the end, you know, two and a half years. Uh, he had he had good people, but for those last 18 months, and then when the pandemic had hit. He had so made himself so toxic to those around him that people were leaving in droves. And what he was left with, by and large, with the exception of the folks at HHS, um, were, were, were people who were just giving him bad advice as to how to deal with these things. You get into the issue of who's not going to who's going to run with Donald Trump going into 2024. It's also who would go into a Trump 2025 administration to right, do that see. work. Why would you go in and do right. this? And and so in the end, right, it, it's it's an issue of so Jerry can Jerry blames Trump solely and I think there's merit to blaming Trump solely for how the the pandemic was handled and the lockdowns were handled, but I also blame and this gets into Trump, he also had horrible advisors around him who were not advising him well. But here's the problem. From, hold on, from both the political and the policy perspective, right. and that falls on Donald Trump. But here, but here's the problem. There were governors who were doing the wrong thing. New York, New Jersey, we know who they are. But there were also governors, Iowa, Florida, Ron DeSantis, and elsewhere, Christy Nome, who were doing the right thing. Right. So the states were a, uh, were a, uh, were a mixed bag of right things, wrong things. Now, and I give everyone the benefit of the doubt at first because we didn't know. Right. So even, even Andrew Cuomo at first. Sure. But, but the problem with the Andrew Cuomo's and the Donald Trump's uh, is that once they recognized that the policy in place was wrong, they never reconsidered and never repositioned. Donald Trump knew that we needed to open the economy. He, I know he knew, and he was so, he and so. he was so, and he was so flummoxed by you know the folks right. around him that he couldn't decide. But let right. me and let me make let me make this point. Let's remember that more people died from COVID when Joe Biden became president than died right. under Donald Trump. And right. if we're going to have is, a debate, hold on. If we're going to have a debate over the response to COVID and how things get screwed up, and the debate is going to be between Joe Biden and whoever the nominee is, I would rather have that debate be between someone who did things right. Yes. i.e. Ron DeSantis. Very good point. Else. Excellent point. And 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 Joe Biden and Donald because Trump. because because right uh, because what Joe Biden did was essentially continue the uh, Donald Trump lockdown strategy in many in many many ways. Yes. Yeah. Listen, uh, uh, Powerline blog. I don't mention them often. Uh, Powerline blog has a really good piece up today. A short blog, very short blog, maybe three hundred words, four hundred words, where it talks about how. Um, that uh, that they knew early that the lockdowns, the the two week lockdown, they knew Fauci knew, Burks knew, they all knew that it was a ruse. Yeah, they thought that 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 was the way to sell it to Trump. Yeah, it's, it'll only be two weeks, and yes. they believed that because Trump was Trump, 
he'd be so distracted, he'd be so flummoxed, he'd be so all over the place, disorganized, uh, that once they get the two-week lockdown, Burks and Fauci knew right. they, they could... And the biggest mistake of Donald Trump's... Pre- the biggest mistake of his presidency uh, was not confronting his... Uh, his expert leadership, Fauci in particular. It, it again gets into the, the principal criticism at the beginning of the Trump presidency, right? Which is James Comey was able to take advantage of the chaos over at the White House yeah, that's right. and send over a couple of guys and he completely right. undid right. the first year of the Trump presidency. Right. But here's the thing. We can't afford this again. We no, can't afford no, 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 no. more chaos right. and mayhem. No, no, abs- absolutely true. So Jerry, uh, you're on on Sunday. You're back on Sunday. You were off Memorial Day. Week. We're off on Sunday. Yeah, my my, uh, you know this. I think I mentioned before. My uncle Frank passed away. Sorry to hear um, that. Again. Yeah, and uh, we had a nice send off for him. Uh, a wonderful memorial service. Um, and then on on, on Sunday, the day after the, his memorial service, my cousins and my aunt Denise came over. We had a nice family time. My sisters and and uh, a really really nice family time. Yeah, but I'm back. Uh, I'm back on Sunday. This Sunday coming up. We didn't get much uh, time to talk about it, but you know this uh, this Major League Baseball pride yeah. uh, controversy. Sorry about that. But, no, no. But let, let me just say this going out, and maybe we'll talk about a, a reason to tune in for the next show. Yeah. Um. You know, June is Pride Month, so today's the thirty first. Yes. Pride Month begins, and the, the, yes, there's this, this controversy in in Los Angeles, um, where they have invited back, reinvited a very hateful anti-Catholic, anti-Christian organization uh, that's very plain in their anti-Catholicism, anti-Christianity, but yet the Dodgers are inviting them in, giving them a Heroes Award. By the way, they're giving a Heroes Award to the, is his name uh, Sam Brinton? What, what, uh, the, uh, the the guy who stole the luggage? Wait, 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 wait. I missed this story. What? Yeah. My understanding is, is How that- How are they going to give him an award as he sits in a Virginia jail awaiting I, trial? I, my understanding was- Maybe they've changed, but my understanding was he was also listed as a, as one of the heroes. Wow. I, I can't imagine that's going to fly, Jerry. But regardless, I, um, I, I have that much faith in humanity that, that, that right. I can't imagine that's going to fly. I want to say this. I want to say that if, if Major League Baseball or if Target or Bud Light, if they want to have, again, more ex- inclusivity and try different marketing uh, techniques and also, you know, reach out to this community, that's that's not a bad thing in a pluralistic society it takes all kinds right gay people like baseball sure christian people like baseball black people white people fat people skinny people we all like baseball baseball should be inclusive the problem is is that with these pride events it's no longer about inclusivity it really is about um you must obey you must celebrate you will be Uh, made to care yeah. And yes. that's and that's and that's what's wrong about it. And really, I think ultimately it, it, it just it turns pride and pride month into a us versus them. Absolutely. It doesn't have Again, to be this way. Right. It gets down to instead of it being inclusive, it right. is divisive. It doesn't it doesn't yes. have to be this way. I mean, I remember last year where one of the major pride parades disinvited uh, 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 LGBTQ police officers. Right. Because of right. the Black Lives Matter. I mean, so it's it's becoming this divisive. But here's the irony in it, in that it's no longer Pride Month. I think May has been pre-Pride Month. Yes. Yes. Because all of May, everyone's been talking about sure. Pride Month in June. 
I blame Justin Timberlake, Jerry. It's got to be May. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that not everything has to be so politicized. You know, I could believe uh, uh, in my Christian faith and what it says about sexuality and still uh, be a good citizen in, in a pluralistic society. You know, and, and also a gay person uh, can believe what they believe and live how they want to live uh, and also respect me. And we can live in a plural. We're losing. Listen, I can believe in a pluralistic society and and then also believe that there's something fundamentally wrong with a bald guy with a mustache wearing a dress being handed <laughs> yes. over, you know, right. access to nuclear secrets. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, right. call me, call me old fashioned there. Yeah. So, Jerry, you're on. Hey, on no, again, my last, my, my, because I, I, I want to say, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jerry, but Jerry because, wanted to end the show 45 minutes. I don't know, but, but, but because I, I do think this going. too is, is that there was this Toronto Blue Jays uh, pitcher who came out and supported. Same, same pitcher, hold on, same pitcher who, who defended his wife in the popcorn incident on the plane, mind you. All right, so but this this pitcher uh, supported the boycott against a target. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if baseball players should be boycotting. They, you know, they they represent a team, and 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 what they do on social media reflects on the team. And I, I again, I I don't like the idea of boycotting. Period. I don't boycott. Yes. Have you ever heard me say I'm boycotting? I don't boycott because yes. if I ha- if I had to boycott every company. Uh, with which uh, with whom I disagree, I I'll be living in uh, the uh, right. the Alaskan woods. Yes, but I'm not in. I boycott the Jerry. I boycott companies that are. Well, actually, I was going to say I, I boycott companies that are inconvenient for me to get to. And even then, that's not true because I still will do that. Go ahead. But but but, uh, but, but anyway, the guy, baseball player. But he was criticized. He was on yes for an anti-gay, uh, homophobic uh, tweet. Yes, it's not homophobic to believe and support boycotting Target. For going over the top with their pride display. Right. Okay. If Target had, like we started the program, if Target had a reasonable, inclusive celebration of of the gay community, no one's going to complain. But also, Jerry, here here is the issue, and this is the the point that I'm going to um, sort of my last point of the day. All right, and I'll be quiet. No, it, it is you. You can no longer have nuance. You're right. Just what we're talking about with abortion. Right. Right. It's either X or Y. You either believe you either believe that life begins at conception or you believe that someone can be aborted. A baby can be aborted as they're coming out of a a woman's nether regions. You know, it's it's you know, either you're all in on everything having to do with the LGBTQIA agenda or you are, you know, you're homophobic. Right. It's it's you know, whereas the reality is we differences, as I've said before. This is why I appreciate what the so-called TERFs, the trans-exclusionary radical feminists believe, because obviously they're feminists, but they don't believe that maybe that someone who was born a biological male should compete in women's sports, right? There, right. there, there are there are nuances here. People can draw lines and have opinions on their on their own. We do not and should not live in a black and white society, whereas there are all kinds of of levels with, within there. Jerry, so, Sunday. So next week or on Sunday, uh, I'll be talking about this uh, Major League Baseball struggle sessions issue. Uh, we'll be talking about Pride Month. I also want to talk about how ABC News uh, is uh, going to have a two-hour special on why we should be paying reparations oh, and well, using the 1619 Project uh, as the mechanism to make the case. Uh, again, you know, up is down, down is up. We're going to set it all straight Sunday. Uh, Sunday's 
WBA, WBAL, uh, 7 to 10, The Jerry Rogers Show. I want to wish a, a, a heartfelt congratulations to our colleagues at the Pacific Legal Foundation. They add uh, an historic series of wins last Thursday in the Supreme Court. Two cases decided in their favor and their client's favor within five minutes of each other. Go and check out my interview with Jeff McCoy. He's a staff attorney with PLF. Uh, that's up at the lunch hour with Federal Newswire. Go it's also up at Real all, Clear Policy. All, uh, thank you, Jerry, for that. Also up at Real Clear Policy. So go and check out Real Clear Policy. Find a if link you want to find if you want to find his uh, lunch hour, uh, the lunch hour uh, Federal Newswire interview, easy and quick. Go to one hundred percent. Go to Real Clear right Policy. There. there, Jerry. What do you want folks to do? Find the truth. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things. Find the truth. Plant your feet. Uh, stay. Uh, Stay firm. Uh, yeah. God bless you all. God bless you all. I will see you. We, we will see you in two weeks after I'm back from my cruise to Alaska. I uh, have a great couple of weeks, everybody. Have fun and stay safe.